The Duck Pond Wall has been a gathering place for conversation and sparking point for romance over the years. So, it's only fitting that this beloved spot is where Emery and Henry graduates return to share their stories of success, love, and laughter. Let's go now to the Duck Pond Wall. Here's your host and Emery and Henry alumni director, Monica Hyol. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Duck Pond Wall. Tonight is truly historic. We are coming to you live from the WEHC studios on the Emory and Henry campus, and we're so excited because we're going to have three, three people hosting tonight, six-hour time difference. What could possibly, possibly go wrong? <laughs> tonight, I'm happy to have with me here in the studio Ivy Shepard, who is the station manager at WEHC. Hey, Ivy. Hey, Monica. Delighted to be here. I'm excited, too. And on the line with us all the way from Waipahu, Hawaii is Jeff Link, Emory and Henry class of 71. Hey, Jeff. Aloha. Aloha to you. We're so excited this is working, and we're so glad you're willing to do this with us. We're excited because Jeff is now a retired Air Force colonel living in Hawaii, but when he was an Emory and Henry student, he was a he was a, one of the famous DJs at the station here on campus. How did you get involved in that, in that work, Jeff? Well, my audiovisual interest goes back to movie projectors in the 1950s and kept going through high school and then my best friend worked for a city radio city radio station on weekends and he had his own pirate station and that inspired me to build my own miserable little station range <laughs> of about 100 feet and when I got to Emory, I was surprised to find out WLRC looking for DJs and signed up fast. And was it? And, I usually it, it had the 7 to 9 p.m. hour when I was on the air, but that was 54 years ago. Was your range My here 200 Christian feet? kept it up, though, and he was DJing for several years in Washington, D.C., no kidding. No kidding. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, did you get to have some like kind of good experience that followed you throughout your career? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, we're going to start. We're going to play some of your favorite college tunes tonight. We're going to we're going to accelerate into the lane tonight with a little bit of classical gas, and then we're going to ask you some cool questions about it afterwards. Jeff, I want to talk to you about this song for just a minute. Um, did you get to hear Mason Williams in concert? I did. I did indeed. 
Mason was a writer for the Smothers Brothers TV show on CBS when he released this single hit of his, Classical Gas, and it was pretty miraculous, instrumental for the 1960s. Uh, Ivy might not know this, but Mason also shares our love for the banjo. No way. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not Who sure how we found. Yeah, I'm not sure how we found out about him doing a concert at Roanoke College up in Salem, Virginia. But somehow we got four tickets, and my girlfriend at the time and her roommate got permission to go overnight. Now in 1969, that had to go through Mrs. Jernigan, who was the <laughs> house mother at Weaver, and you guys remember that well. And so that <laughs> yes, was Mom no Jernigan is on the other line. Even. <laughs> uh, my my roommate rounded out the foursome, and uh, we got there, had good balcony seats, but half the floor seats were unsold, so we got invited downstairs. Oh, but we actually had better seats up there, and we stayed. Now, his co-star was Jennifer Warren, who recently, had, at that time, had been in the Broadway musical Hair. Oh, my gosh. As well as doing Smothers Brothers show. And she later became known as Jennifer Warnes, who sang Up Where We Belong in a duet with Joe Cocker. Oh, my gosh. For, and you got yeah. to see her in Roanoke. Uh-huh, I did. And she was wonderful. Both of them were. But for a $7 ticket, it was worth the effort. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still a Mason Williams fan, and I actually saw him again in the 1990s in Washington, D.C., with Mannheim Steamroller, oh if you've heard of gosh. them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude, yeah. have fun. They're New Age synthesized music group. So, yeah, that was kind of strange how that came together, Did <laughs> especially you... getting them checked out for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> did you <laughs> to check out the women? Did you did you get to, to do a lot of live music back then, or was that kind of a rarity? No, none at all. Uh, if you mean on the radio, none at all. The closest we came was John Jarima with his... Uh, portable tape recorder talking to Miss America 1967. Oh, my gosh. That is a hoot and a half. <laughs> All right. Well, I, th- I think I hear something. Ivy, do you hear something? Do you hear, by chance, maybe something barreling through the middle of Emory right now? That happens fairly frequently here in town. Yeah, it's kind of a thing. It sounds a lot like a train. Now, now, Jeff, you're kind of a big fan of trains, aren't you? I am since my early childhood days. We had, and then at Emory, we had a great dorm room on the backside of Hillman Hall for train watching, <laughs> and that's what I did when I wasn't in class. <laughs> well, that's so, one thing to call it. Some people yeah, call it train dodging. There are, there are many, many stories about the creative pranks that Emory students pulled on the Norfolk and Western, including a couple classmates of mine, but uh, I don't think we're going to go into them today. <laughs> did you ever no. help put Crisco on the tracks? No, well, no, they, you know about that. It was actually engine oil, but that was bef- <laughs> that was a couple years before I got there. Oh, that sounds and, kind of like a convenient and, excuse. Yeah, and that that was that was was an all night affair for Norfolk <laughs> and Western. <laughs> I think that sounds like a great stunt for a college kid. Exactly. And yeah, I'm- yeah. But the, then there was the night we put a giant snowball on the track as the Pelican came barreling through, and it was snow everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a sight to see. Well, let's have a, let's have just a little bit of a couple of your of your favorite train songs, or at least one. Oh, of them. Okay. At least one of them. I hear the train a-coming 
It's rolling around the bend And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Anton When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy Don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry There's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars Well, I know I had it coming I know I can't be free But those people keep them moving And that's what tortures me cash there to to fulfill jeff's love of trains i just want to remind everybody that we've got a different kind of show on the duck pond wall tonight and we're very excited about the fact that we're live this evening from the studios at wehc talking with jeff link who is a 1971 graduate joining us from the island of oahu in hawaii and we're excited jeff that you're with us tonight Yep, it's kind of fun to be here. I'm, I'm with you right there in the studio, sort of. Well, you sound terrific, and of course, we, as an old WLRC guy, we know that you know what this is like, more so than I do, because this is new for me. <laughs> Ivy Shepherd. We didn't have anything as elaborate as what you're in, let me assure you. <laughs> A couple of wires, and you were, you were just broadcasting over to Hillman, and that was about it, right? Just about, yeah. <laughs> well, we've also got Ivy Shepherd with us tonight, and she's gonna we're going to do a quick station break and hear a word from our sponsors here tonight. Support for WEHC and Emory & Henry football comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company, heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Spring House 112 Court Street, Northeast, and online at tumblingcreekcider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community. 
All right, we're coming back now. Again, this is Monica Hoyle, your host for the Duck Pond Wall, joined tonight by Ivy Shepard and Jeff Link, joining us all the way from Waipahu, Hawaii. So let's talk just a little bit about why the staff at WLRC loved the song Alice's Restaurant. You had a cute (laughs) story about that. Tell us why you enjoyed playing Alice's Restaurant. Well, first of all, it was a fun song, without a doubt, and it was very different for 1967. Uh, and Arlo Guthrie really was not well known in the mainstream. Uh, he was actually the son of Woody Guthrie, and he was a contemporary of Pete Seeger, both of them being early folk singers. Uh, but uh, the song was an epic song in many ways, and it had really nothing to do with restaurants. Uh, it's more about him getting arrested for littering, of all things, which leads to Arlo Guthrie having a very, very bad experience at his Army draft physical. Oh, what happened? And, I don't know that story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, what happened? Uh, let's just say that littering came back to haunt him when he got to his craft physical and said, Son, have you ever create, ever been convicted of a crime? Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, funny. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, if you haven't heard it, it's on YouTube in many forms, but you really got to get the original. But even better, find the movie. It's, uh, it really shows the tough issues and the strange things of how life was changing in the late 1960s, especially for young people. Yeah. But the reason we liked it so much, <laughs> uh, and, and this, this was important, it was 18 minutes long. And that gave us time to study a little bit or more likely sneak out for a break. <laughs> and actually, it got Wait, so what did bad, you do on that break? Oh, well, pause for the cause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, biological breaks. I got you right yeah, right now. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Jeff, where, but, was the, uh, where was the station back then? Okay. It was, if you are in the basement of Wiley Hall facing the chapel, it was in the far left front corner. And that's now some kind of a conference room. And... The actual studio itself could not have been more than about six feet by eight feet, and that's being generous. Oh, my god! And then we had a transmitter room with a, a uh, Rube Goldberg kind of transmitter that had been built by Professor Looney back in the early 60s or maybe even late 50s. And that's where the station got its name, I WLRC. Was gonna say, I, I had yeah. never heard that. Tell, what did it stand for? It stood for, we believe, and it was never conclusive, but we believe it stood for Looney's Radio Club. That's funny. WLRC. My gosh, that yeah. is a crazy thing. Uh, speaking of Looney, that's a crazy thing. All right, so we're, <laughs> we, are, we are not going to play 18 minutes of Alice's Restaurant, but we are going to play just a snippet for everybody, just to, give, just to get everybody in the mood and in the, in the time frame a little bit. So let's hear just a, just a second play, of that. Play a little more than a snippet. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take a break? <laughs> mm, yeah, get us, keep us on schedule. <laughs> This song is called Alice's Restaurant. It's about Alice. 
and the restaurant. But Alice's Restaurant is not the name of the restaurant, that's just the name of the song. And that's why I call the song Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. And you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Now it all started two Thanksgivings ago, it was on two years ago on Thanksgiving when my friend and I went up to visit Alice at the restaurant. But Alice doesn't live in the restaurant, she lives in the church nearby the restaurant in the bell tower with her husband Ray and Fotch is a dog. And living in the bell tower like that, they got a lot of room downstairs where the pews used to be. And having all that room, seeing as how they took out all the pews, they decided that they didn't have to take out their garbage for a long time. We got up there, we found all the garbage in there, and we decided it'd be a friendly gesture for us to take the garbage down to the city. All right, that gives us an idea of what Alice's Restaurant is about. And you know, it kind of segues into some of another song on your on your playlist, Jeff. Um, and I don't want to get, you know, too too serious, but you were at Emory and Henry at kind of a serious time in the in the country's history. And um, I wonder if, if you would tell us what it was, what was it like to be a student at Emory and Henry when you had the Vietnam War sort of hanging over your head? That was kind of a strange time, and it's, it's amazing to have been a student then, though we didn't realize it, because the United States was changing like mad. Uh, this whole topic could fill an entire show, including other points of view. Uh, there were so many different ones on campus, but if you think about it, our class of 71 was largely early baby boomers, uh, though we did have some classmates that had already served in the military and were using their GI benefits to go to school. But uh, we were raised after World War II and were fairly patriotic folks. And my, even when I was in elementary school, my young buddies and I figured it was our duty to serve in the military. But at age 18, back then, we registered for the draft, the military draft, and then we got four years deferment to go to college. We carried draft cards, and we were listed as 4S, and that was a a student deferment for four years. But the time of then, back then, we were in Vietnam and civil rights. They were raging. The nation was really, really divided in dramatic ways, and even students and faculty had divergent points of view. Now, Emory students even staged a uh, small protest uh, peace protest on campus and uh, even in downtown Bristol. No kidding. Back, yeah, we had a couple. And, uh, you know, I, I was an unfortunate one that had a sign that said, war is not healthy for children and other living things, which didn't help when I needed a security clearance later. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, it made the paper. <laughs> But uh, anyway, back then, some of the guys could game the draft in various ways, be it medical or know somebody, and they got to avoid the draft and stay home. And some guys went to Canada 
But those who couldn't go to college and those who couldn't get other deferments got disproportionately drafted to serve in Vietnam. But then in December of 1987, or excuse me, 1969, the first Vietnam draft lottery was done, and that added some equity to the process. Uh, some of my classmates had high lottery numbers, and that meant they weren't going to be called up, very likely. Mm-hmm. But mine was 67, and oh. that meant you're in the Army now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, so did, did they pull your number? Uh, they did, and it was a big. It was a big lottery on TV, and number sixty-seven was my birth date. Oh my gosh! But, but the thing is, I was already talking to the service recruiters and had pretty much narrowed it down to the Navy or the Air Force, and uh, and then I joined the Air Force immediately after graduation. Or actually, I think you know, I didn't even graduate it with the baccalaureate and the actual ceremony. But I uh, served the Air Force for 29 years, and that was a very good decision for me. But, but looking back on those days, uh, they, were, they were quite dramatic at Emory in many ways. Uh, for the first time, we students were really finding our voice to be able to speak out and not think like we had been programmed throughout yeah. the 50s. Wow. Wow. Bless your heart. Well, and I'm I'm sort of glad to hear about some of the act, sort of, of the activism because I don't always hear a lot of those stories. No, but there, if you look in the 1969 yearbook, I think you'll see a couple pictures of protests. And one of them, the one on campus, was directly after the Kent State massacre of mm-hmm. four students there, and uh, that that brought out a lot of emotion at Emory. Well, it had to. I would. I can't imagine being a college student anywhere and not being somehow affected by that event. It seems, and, yeah. it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and we always talk about Emory and Henry being in a bubble, but it seems like that those were things that even permeated the bubble. No, in, in the uh, in the late '60s, we were becoming more of a diverse student body in many many points of view and things. And uh, uh, now today. We live in a very, very diverse world, and I could see it when I was walking around Emory a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Frankly, it's very warm-heartening to me. That's awesome. Well, we're going to play just a minute of uh, Fortunate Son, which was on your which was on your playlist. This is CCR.
right, Jeff. That's a great. That is a great song, and I'm glad you had that on your playlist. We're gonna. But I want us to end on kind of a sad note. I want us to end on kind of a happy note. Although, frankly, um, your story of activism did make me happy. That was that was neat to hear. But I want us to end talking about this Mamas and the Papas version of Dancing in the Streets. We're gonna ask everybody to dance with us. Why is this <laughs> version of the of Dancing in the Streets so special to Emory and Henry people? Well, for people that don't know the group, they were a 60s easy rock group, and they grew out of the earlier musicians who were the vanguard of that kind of music. The star back then was Mama Cass Elliott, uh, who was actually quite plump, if you'll excuse me for saying that. I think she knew that. (laughs) And And she quit college to join the group, but she was their star. But at the end of the song... They named places to dance in the street, and John Phillips shouted out Emory, which Cass didn't know, so he had to explain it to her. It's in Virginia, Virginia. <laughs> and it, Well, you know, it seemed special back then. I don't know so much now. But. No, it's very special, although I do, in fact, argue with David St. Clair about this because it, it's a little, I mean, you, you really believe they're saying Emory, Virginia at the end. No, they are. There's no doubt about it. Why? Why else would they say Virginia? That's a good point. <laughs> that is a good Emory, <laughs> because Emory is the center of Virginia. We're going to play just a snippet of this song right, right before we do our sign off here, um, so folks can hear that famous moment. Half like Nova Scotia. Doesn't mention it, please. Well, Lombard, you visit Lebedev, the cream, you know. Yes, I know. Manchester? Oh, Emily, Emily. Alexandria? Hey, Virginia, Virginia. Fourth Church? Where's that? And there it is, perhaps Emory's most famous moment, showing up in the Mamas and Papas version of Dancing in the Streets. Jeff, thanks for getting us to listen to that. This has been so much fun, but I see by the clock on the wall that we are just about out of time. And so I just want to thank Ivy so much for being our tech person tonight, our music person, our sidekick in the studio. And especially want to thank Jeff Link coming to us from Hawaii tonight. What an incredible treat this has been to get to reminisce with you and, and play some tunes. I don't think we've ever had anybody this far away on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? I did indeed. All right. Well, just so you know, you're both your, all three of your sidekicks are here. Ivy and Monica and Bonnie are all here in the studio. Just wishing you were here with us and loving that you were with us on the radio. So thank you so much for doing this this evening. Okay, you're quite welcome. You want me to sign off? I do. You bet your boots we do. Okay. This is Jeff Link, WLRC 780 AM on your dial in Emory, Virginia. But really, it's WEHC 90.7 FM. 
the voice of Southwest Virginia. Aloha. I couldn't be happier. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> You're welcome. And we're going to go out with care. a little bit of bluegrass music, just like you wanted, a little bit of Orange All Blossom right. Special. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, and aloha. Aloha.